Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Let's go. All right, Acts chapter two. We are in week three of what may actually turn out to be a six-week series, as I'm kind of wrapping wrapping this thing up, um, of being devoted. That when we look at the New Testament church in the book of Acts and look at the uh, modern current church, there is a disconnect. And it's not that so much that things are missing. All the ingredients are still available in there. It's that some of these things are hidden. And last week, we spent some time talking about being connected in community. And today, we're going to talk about being devoted to serving. And so we're going to read the same passages. You guys are going to be sick and tired of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 when I'm done with this. As a matter of fact, here's what what I know is that when you're tired of hearing it, you're just starting to get it. So is that okay? All right, so let's, let's read these together. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And it says in verse 43, a deep sense of awe. So this sense of amazement, this sense of, of unbelievableness, if that's a word, of what's going on in the church was over everyone. And it says the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And it says all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, not just once a week, not just twice a week, but every day they were going by the temple and worshiping together. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord did what? What did he do? What's that word? Each day the Lord added to their numbers the fellowship that were being saved. And the overarching concept for these six weeks is they devoted, the Lord added. And that is, that is our life principle. We devote our, ourselves to the things of God, the people of God, the, the, the purpose of God. Um, the Lord will do the addition. Our responsibility is obedience. His responsibility is outcome. And we looked last week at the importance of gathering together as the body of Christ, as the church. The church is not a building that we go to. It is a people that we belong to. And a building is nice, but it's not a necessity. It's, it's a home base, not a hideout, so to speak, right? And so we look at the importance of it, and there's 52 weeks, and we ended with this. There's 52 weeks in the year. The average American attends church regularly two times a month. So roughly 24 times a year, the average American that's considered a regular attender is connected with the body, with other believers. It's supposed to be their family only 24 times a year. 
which adds up to about 26, 28 hours a year. And it's hard to build a strong relationship. And so we, we have to remember that if we're going to devote ourselves to the things of God, that, that devotion is reinforced in community. And I saw a uh, post on Facebook from one of, our, one of my friends at the church that I used to serve at. And, and she had written this, and it says, when the church becomes optional for you, speaking to parents, for those of us who are parents, we have to really lean into this. When the church becomes optional for us, it becomes unnecessary for our children. And so we have a responsibility as parents, as grandparents, as mentors to younger people that church is not an option for us who are believers. That is a necessity because if it becomes optional for us, then the next generation will see it as unnecessary because the generation before us did not see it as important. And so we wanna make sure we lean into that. But there's, there, there's a couple of verses, Acts 2, 44. It says this, right in the middle of all this. It says, and all the believers met together in one place and they shared what? Is it on the screen? They shared everything. This, like I want you to engage. They shared what? Everything, not just some things. They shared everything they had. And we see this very similar statement again in Acts chapter four, where it says that they were unified, verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared, what is it again? They shared everything. And so when we look at, at within the, the body, within the local church, but then also within the church, Big C, when we look at the connection and we look at the relationships, there's so much power when we come to an understanding that everything that we have, we are stewards of that it is not ours, that we stored it, we don't hoard it, we don't keep it, we don't pile it up. And, and when we look at it, it's things like, really, we have, we have time, we have talents and abilities, and we have treasures, finances. And these are all things, and when you read this, you, your mind automatically wants to go that they shared finances, they shared everything they had. But, but what you and I have, we have time, we have talents and we have treasures. We have, we have time, we have abilities, and we have finances. And it says that they shared everything. And the church in this season, as we continue to read, begins to grow. Peter speaks the first sermon without notes and says that, that thousands were added to the church on that day. The prayer service started with right around 100, and then hours later, there's thousands within the church. And within the first few chapters, we see it grow to tens of thousands of people, and that is rapid church growth. I'm scared of that. Like, our church is growing. We've grown like 20% the last two years, year over year, and I'm okay with that. You know why? Because that's manageable, right? But when you see rapid growth like that, it's like, what do you do? right? There's not a building big enough. We're going to like start, like do like World Outreach did back in the day. We'll throw a tent up in a field. The problem now is a field costs $4 million. So it's just like, I can't, can I, can I rent it for a few hours? Like how do we, how do we, and so there's so much rapid growth that's happening in the church that there was, there was also, you know, there was some good things that were happening, but then how many of you know that, that rapid growth can bring some problems? You know, there's, there's couples in this church that, you know, they, they have a, a life plan. They're going to get married and four or five years later have a kid. 
but sometimes plans don't go that way and they get married and a year later they have a kid and then a year later they have a second kid and then a third year they have a third kid and that's rapid growth and you don't even have an opportunity to enjoy your spouse and now you got it like, I can tell you how to fix that if you wanna talk to me after service though, okay? All right, how to prevent that. But, but rapid growth, there's joy that comes with it but then there's also some strain that can come with it, right? And, and the church is experiencing this. And when we go down to Acts chapter six, there's growth that's happening. We'll read seven verses here. And it says, verse one through seven, Acts six, verse one through seven, it says, as the believers rapidly multiplied. And so it's happening, happening so quick, quicker than what they ever thought, what they could imagine. It says there were rumblings of discontent the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. And just so you know context, there's Greek-speaking Jewish you know, followers, and there was Hebrew-speaking, and, and they're feeling like there is some favoritism that's going on. And saying So the Greek-speaking believers were saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. And it says, they said, so the apostles called a meeting, of all the believers, like all. And so I don't know if that was like everybody in the church or everybody in the town or just, so they called them all together. And he said, listen, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running the food program because the apostles, Peter and, and John and all these guys, so they're trying to teach on Sundays. And then all throughout the week, they're trying to make sure the bread's getting distributed to the widows and said, listen, we can't keep that pace. We can't keep up that pace. And so brothers, let's select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. And look, everyone did what? Everyone liked that idea. Man, I wish like every time I brought an idea to the table, people were like, that's a great idea. But it's not, all, but in the case here, it's like everyone liked that idea. And so here's what they did. They chose the following. Stephen, P-H, no V, right? I'm V, no P-H. Chose Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Verse seven, what happens? So God's message continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased. And so there's massive church growth. There's a problem. Let's solve the problem. And then there is continued church growth. This is the first implementation of church serve teams. <laughs> This is the first implementation of what we call A-teams. And at Avenue, we call them A-teams because growing up, I felt like I was always on the B-team playing basketball, and I didn't like that feeling. So there's no B-team in the kingdom of God. There's only A-teams. And plus, Mr. T was kind of a hero of mine growing up, right? But this was like the initiation of church serve teams. And once this got put in place, the apostles... The teachers could focus on teaching and caring, and, and it says that the church multiplied. They met the needs, and the church multiplied. And so when we look at serve teams within the church, um, all across the city, there are serve teams in every church that are, that are helping. And 
when I think about serving within the church, it is not just about doing a job. And we try to communicate this um, here that, that we are meeting the needs of the people and we're partnering in preparation for the presentation of the gospel. And that our greeters are seen long before anyone hears the worship team, anyone hears a message. Our greeters and our connection team are paving the way for people to come in to feel comfortable to be able to receive and hear the gospel. One of the things we think about is that, that we look at purpose over function. Purpose over function. The why we are doing something is way more important than actually what we are doing. The greeters are our first line. When we have people serving coffee, it's not just so that you can put a brown, good, warm, delicious, caffeinated liquid in a cup. That is just the function. The purpose is that people, psychological and social studies show people feel more comfortable when they have something in their hand when they're in conversation. You guys have seen Ricky Bobby, right? I don't know what to do with my hands. Well, so that you know have something to do, we're going to put a cup of coffee in it so that you feel a little more relaxed. And then caffeine is just, it's great, right? <laughs> Who needs another reason other than caffeine, right? But it is, is, we put people back there specifically so that that is another point of interaction. Our kids team that serves downstairs and upstairs, we are not just babysitting. We can hire babysitters. We can hire through care.com for people to watch your kids, but it is so that we can start with one of our values that is we in, invest in the next generation so that as we are changing diapers, as we are putting out a snack, that there is scripture that is being spoken over them, there are prayers that are being prayed over them, that there is interaction, there are seeds of spiritual growth that are being planted in the kids, and that's just one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that there are, are moms and dads and couples that, that will come in and just need a refreshing, and they don't want to have to chase their toddler around. And I know we bring kids in here, and I'm completely okay with that, so don't, don't misunder, uh, misunderstand that. But that we are, as a children's worker, we are also ministering to parents, and like, I didn't realize that when I started in kids ministry and, and the responsibility I was given was a third and fourth grade Sunday school class. Do you guys remember Sunday school class? And that was a small room with very little air conditioning and mostly boys. But it gave us an opportunity to plant seeds of spiritual growth in those kids, but also gave their parents an opportunity to worship as well. And we're actually like, we, we, we want to help you discover why you serve and how we serve. And uh, one of our values is we serve others with joy. Like we serve others because it's all like at times, not just about the service that you receive, but it's the attitude in which you receive it with. And I've said this multiple times. We've had servers at restaurants that were great, but had a horrible attitude. And we don't walk out talking about how great the service was. We walk out talking about how horrible their attitude was, right? And so here at Avenue Church, we want to focus on serving others with joy, with the right attitude. And we do that when we understand how God has wired us to serve. And so 
Peter says this in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4.10. It says, God has put has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So each one of us, 1 Peter 4.10 says, each one of us, God's given each and every single one of us a gift. And you may not realize it, you may not recognize it, but, but there are things that God has put on the inside of you that he wants you to use, that's what it says, to serve one another, to serve one another. And, and Peter's talking really specifically within the church, and he says, don't just use them. He puts another word in there. He says, use them well, to the best of our ability, to, to, to the greatest of our ability, to serve those around us. Our gifts are not for us. They're for those that are around us. And so there's, there's a couple of areas that I want to talk about that we serve out of. And, and one of those areas, and the reason why we help you discover your gifts, and we'll do this the last three weeks of September, um, in our starting point, uh, right next door. And so if you've been attending Avenue for a while, that's kind of your next step after new here, connect. But we help you discover your gifts because they're meant to serve. And when we're serving out of our gifts, we are serving from a place of passion. Because if you're using the gifts God's given you, like think about when you're a kid and you get to use the cool gifts that your parents give you. I remember getting the first NES, like the classic Nintendo Entertainment System, the 8-bit, right? I remember waking up just so excited to get to put that to use. And so God has given each of us gifts that aren't for entertainment, that are for edification. And when we understand that and we utilize though those, we are serving from a place of passion. Paul even says this, like Paul says this to Timothy, and he says, fan into flame the gift that is on the inside of you. There should be some excitement when we're doing the things that God's created us to do, the things that we enjoy doing. For me, um, I love teaching. I love teaching. I love reading the Bible and trying to find ways to help you understand it in practical ways, not necessarily deep theological ways, but I love seeing like how we can get you to take another step. And I love encouraging people. I love doing the little things behind the scenes that nobody else does. Um, and so those are all spiritual gifts that I didn't really realize were spiritual gifts until I had someone reveal that to me. And when you understand that, you're serving from a place of passion. And it would be great to always get to stay there, right? But how many of you know in a family, you don't always get to do what you want to do. And you don't always get to do what you like to do. And so within a family, we don't just serve from a place of passion. We also serve from a place of responsibility. And these are the things that need to be done that we don't necessarily like doing. Folding clothes, anybody? I don't know why is that so hard, literally. And, and like putting clothes in the washing machine is super easy. Putting them in the dryer is super easy. Anything after that's impossible. Like, like I don't know, but it is a responsibility that, that, that we have, and it's not fun at times. And I'm sure when you're looking at these guys that were chosen to serve the bread, I'm sure they saw this as a responsibility. Um, but the apostles, it doesn't say, now, now listen, it doesn't say that the apostles chose them because of the spiritual gifts of hospitality and serving bread. It says that the apostles chose them because they were well-respected, 
chose them because they were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And so when we're walking and we're serving in the midst of responsibility, that's, that's, what, we, that's what we look for in, in, within the kingdom big church, big C, we will always flow between serving from passion to responsibility. We're like one side to the other. We're always in there. We see Jesus that, that, that he knew what his responsibility was. It says for the joy on the other side of the cross, he endured it. He wasn't like looking forward to that responsibility. He told his father, there's anything you can do, remove this cup, but not what my will, your will be done. And so we're serving from a place of passion. I'm sure Jesus loved walking with people and, and healing with people and teaching, but then there also comes a point where we serve from responsibility. Um, and even within that, when we serve from these two places, there are these desires that, that we have that, that motivate us. And, and as I got to thinking about my life and what motivates me and the desires for me, and we can be guilty on either one of these fronts. There's, there's two of them. Is um, If we serve within the church, if we serve others, whether it's structurally on a team, whether it's in a community organization, if we serve others with a desire for personal recognition, then over time we become tired and bitter. If we serve others with this desire for this all the time, this that we get will never be enough. And we will be seeking more of this and we will work ourselves to the point for the applause of man and it will never be enough. I have found myself in bitter moments because people did not recognize, even though I enjoyed doing the little things, people didn't recognize Stephen doing the little things I was in a point a couple times in life where I'm like, they're not recognizing me. Nobody cares what I'm doing because I was serving from the wrong motive and I found myself tired because I kept doing more, I kept doing more, I kept doing more. And then I found myself bitter because nobody was recognizing what I was doing. And so we push ourselves to one extreme. But then if we're not careful, we can push ourselves all the way to the other extreme that we avoid serving altogether for self-preservation. That we come over here and it's like, I don't have time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the resources. I need to keep everything that I have to myself so that I can preserve myself. And if we avoid serving for self-preservation, then we're gonna find ourselves self-consumed and empty. We're gonna find ourselves self-consumed, our world gets really small, and we're gonna be empty because we're not exercising our gifts, we're not sharing them with any, there's no fulfillment in self-preservation. Scripture in Proverbs says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And when I read Scripture, Jesus says, come that I might give you life and give it more abundantly, that I might give you a greater life than you could ever imagine, dream of, or think. And really, guys, like when you think about kingdom living, when you think about kingdom living, there can be no self-preservation in following Christ. 
there can be no self-preservation in following Christ because he says this, if you hold on to this life, what happens? You lose it. But if you give up this life, you gain eternal life. And what I found out is that the things that I hold on to in my life has a diminishing return, that I do wind up losing it. But the things that I give away, the things that I release, the things that I surrender and submit, those are the things that come back to me way more than what I gave out, right, anybody? And so we, we have to keep in mind, are we serving God and serving people for self-promotion or are we serving God and, and, sorry, not serving God, not serving people for self-preservation? Both of those are ditches we want to stay out of. And so when we look at serving from a place of passion, serving from a place of responsibility, there's actually, listen, there's actually a better place to serve from than that. There's a better place to serve from that's better than passion, that's better than responsibility. Let's go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses one through five, and this is, this is Jesus' last night with his disciples. Jesus knows this is his last night with the disciples. They have no idea. They think they're having another Passover dinner like they've had for the last three years to where they break bread and they remember how God saved his people from Egypt and brought them out of bondage into freedom. And in John 13, verses one through five, it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and to return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. Kind of the footnote at the bottom of the New Living Translation says it this way. It says, he showed them the full extent of his love. And so he's loved them the whole time. He's been walking with them and teaching them and, and modeling for them. But he says on this night, he showed them the full extent of his love. It was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return from God. So there's responsibility there. There's passion there, knowing that I came from the Father. I'm going back to the Father. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel he had around his waist. This is a familiar story for us in the church. And, you know, we've even maybe been a part of, of prayer services where we are washing each other's feet and praying over them in that process. But what I really want to point out in this is says that, that Jesus, loving them until the very end, and on this night showed the full extent of his love by taking the place of a servant. And so where we come with fulfillment, ultimate fulfillment comes when you and I, when we serve from a place of love, not just a place of passion and not just a place of responsibility, but when you and I come from a place and we are serving from a place of overflowing love from two, two directions. One, the love that we've experienced from the Father, 
and then the love that we understand and, and an understanding, compassionate love for those that are around us, right? And that is more sustaining than passion. That is more sustaining and more motivating than responsibility. And, and listen, you, you got to think about Jesus on this last night. He spent three years with these guys. He knows what is about to take place. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows that Peter is going to deny him. He knows that all of his disciples are going to abandon him. And he still chose to take the place of a servant and wash everyone's feet. And if you know anything about the servant that's normally placed at the door, it's, it's not like a mid-range servant or a higher-up servant. It's like the lowest of the lowest servant because you're touching the part of someone's body who's considered unclean. So a Jewish member would never, would never do that. A Jewish believer would never do that. And so he, he lowered himself to really the lowest of the lower out of love for them. And then he said, says this at the end. He says, understand what I've just done and go and do that for each other. And I, when I was driving in this morning, I got to thinking about that and just in terms of the church. We will always be a church that serves within the community. Like we will, like we are told to take care of the widows and the orphans and take care of the poor because they'll be with us always. But how much more so are we called to take care of each other within the body of Christ? Because he said, do this to each other. He's talking to the disciples there that they are to reciprocate with each other what they've just experienced with him. And, and what, is that, what does that look like within the body of Christ, that, that we have a responsibility? We see the early church growing fast. There's needs that need to be met. So let's, let's get together. Let's lock arms. Let's share resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, so that we're meeting needs and the gospel message can continue to go forth. And if you look at this, come on up, Hunter. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to, kind of land here with a few more passages. That's okay. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. So guess who gets to play a role in building up God's church? You do, I do, we, like, we get to participate in that. And it says, this will continue until we all have come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14, then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We'll be settled, we'll be grounded, we won't, we won't be shaken. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Verse 15, instead we will speak the truth in what? Love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his church, his body. And I love, this is verse 16. We'll read it a couple times. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly and as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow 
so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And when he's talking about the body here, he's talking about the church. That each one of us, Paul says that, that we are all a part of the body and we actually belong to each other. And when you look at our physical bodies, like our, our hand is a part of the body, and because it's a part of the body, it's a part of the foot. It belongs to the foot. And, and it's like that throughout the natural body, our physical body. It's the same within the local church, within, within here. We are all a part of Avenue Church. If Avenue Church is your home, you're a part of it. You belong here. You have a function here. Avenue Church is a part of the greater body within here, Murfreesboro. We're connected to World Outreach. We're connected to Table Fellowship right down the road. We're connected to Alinea Church right down the road, First Baptists. We're all a part of the same body, and we belong to each other. And as we all do our part, it says that we help the other parts grow so that the whole body, everyone say whole, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love, not just growing numerically, but so that the body is spiritually healthy, so that each other, we're helping, we're helping each other grow spiritually and be healthy in love. And so kind of looking at, at, at where we're at as a church. So this is kind of a um, church address, so to speak. Like the last several months have been like awesome. We have had so many new folks come in and get connected and move in and love the church. And we're seeing, we're seeing growth but with growth also comes challenges. And so part of the reason for today's messages is like here, I want to now challenge those of you who call Avenue Church home. If you're a guest with us, man, just come hang out, come experience God and grow with us. But if you call Avenue Church home, I'm inviting you and challenging you. Let's take the next step and find our place within the body and begin helping each other grow. We have a responsibility for that. One of the, one of the needs that we have, and I'm just gonna tell you guys, like, kind of where we're at and celebrate. Like, ce like, our kids' ministry is blowing up. Like, we have 48 kids under 12 here at Avenue. We have 60 under the age of 18. The average healthy church in America is about 20% under the age of 18. We're at like 34, 35%. Come on. Well, come on. We can clap for that. We want to be a church that invests in the next generation. But with, as Peter Parker's uncle said, with great power comes great responsibility, right? With great growth also can come challenges. Um, and I'm going to be just very transparent, but also very pastoral and loving with, with our church families. Like we're in the last um, 11 months, 11, 10 to 11 months, we have um, lost about 10 of our kids' workers because they've moved. It's not like anything bad that's happened. They've, they've moved or they're in a different season to where they're unable to work. Uh, but then we've also had lots of moms that have had babies in the last year come on. I was telling a pastor that, and he was like, man, you're growing the church the old Catholic way. That's the way to go. And I was like, whatever, whatever works, we're going to do it, right? But so we've had like 12 babies born in the last year, and we've got two more on the way, maybe one this week, right, Hunter? He's like, 
don't talk to me. I'm playing the keys. <laughs> but we've got two more coming. And so, so look, at, look at what happens as we've, we have released because of moving and different life, nothing bad. We have lost like 10 kids workers and we've gained like 12 or 13 new kids. That's just births. We've also got new families that are coming, like bringing their kids, come on somebody. And so I wanna like, I, I've never been one of, the, one of the pastors and leaders to get up and say, guys, we need some kids volunteers. Who wants to sign up? Sign up in the foyer because I was that guy that got locked in for three years and never went to church and we do our very best to steward our people. But, but here's what I'm asking us as Avenue Church as we go into this next season of growth, that we come together, that we lean in and link arms and invest in the next generation like we say that we're supposed to and going to. Because I can tell you this, there's a culture outside these walls. They have no problem with it. And I'm not saying that we're not. I'm saying, guys, we, we got to take another step forward. Amen. Because this is, this is what Paul says. He says he makes the whole body. Everyone say whole body. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, everyone say whole body, is healthy, growing, and full of love. And so we don't serve from a place of passion. We can't be there always. I don't want you to stay in serving from a place of responsibility because we've been there. We come back to the middle and we serve from a place of love because as we're serving and using our gifts, we're growing and we're helping those around us grow. Amen. And I believe that as we commit to this and devote ourselves to being in community, but then also serving the community that we're in, we're going to see multiplication and God's adding to the church those that are being saved. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you um, so much for what you're doing in this house. God, all the incredible things and life changes and healings and provisions that's being made. And God, we know that, that with growth comes challenges, but we also know that, that God, what, what we did to get us here, we cannot continue doing to get to the next place that you've called us to be. And so, God, I just pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us discernment to do what you've called Avenue Church to do, to fulfill the role that we play within the greater body of Christ. And doing that, God, it's going to take each and one of us who are following you, who call, uh, call ourselves um, believers, followers, disciples, that we have an obligation and a responsibility just to do as your son did in serving those around us. And that in doing that, we grow and those around us grow as well. And God, if there's anyone here today that does not have a relationship with you, God, I pray that they know that, that you're not asking them to do anything, that you're asking them to be in relationship with you, that you're asking them to surrender the weight and the burdens of sin that they carry to you so that they can receive forgiveness, so they can receive um, grace and mercy and the new life that is promised through that. And so God, right where they're seated, I pray that they would say nothing else except Jesus, I give you my life. It's not all they'll say, but it's the beginning of an eternal relationship with you. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone says...